This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We're going to have a top five today. We're going to hear from you on social media. I wanted to get into this. Uh, last night, Rangers win their eighth game in their first 10, beat Carolina 2-1. to one. Best start in the first 10 games of a season since 83-84 for the Rangers when they won nine of their last 10. By the way, that year they finished with 93 points in the fourth place in the Patrick Division. So it doesn't guarantee you anything, but I think what it does show you, this is a good team. And that was a huge win considering usually that first game of a homestand after a long road trip can be a little dicey. And it certainly was last night, especially having to play two periods without Adam Fox, having to play a half a game without Philip Heedle, and they're being evaluated today of this recording. Um, not a lot of information yet. We'll see. Uh, for Fox, it's a lower body, and for Heedle, it's an upper body. And if you remember, Heedle missed a lot of camp because of an upper body injury. Fox's lower body injury is the knee-to-knee that he took from Sebastian Ajo in the first. Now, this was broken down by Paul Bissonette. It was broken down by Mike Rupp. I think it was an accident. Ajo is not that type of player. But what he did do, and Rupp kind of broke this down in his video, and if you want to follow him on social media, it's a good follow, and he knows what he's doing, former Ranger, former Devil, former Penguin, um, works over at the NHL Network, is that it's still a penalty. He got caught out of position, and that's sometimes what players do. So it should have at least been an interference. It should have been um, you know, a penalty for sure. Uh, but Jacob Truba, after the game, uh, kind of took exception, which as a captain you expect him to do, but he kind of had an interesting theory on it. If you remember last year, really not just last year, for several years, but specifically last year, it seemed like every time Truba had a crushing hit, he'd have to answer to it by somebody jumping him. And he kind of thought, well, why shouldn't Aho be held to the same accountability? Uh, he had a hit on one of the Rangers' best players, so why isn't he held accountable? Well, the difference is, you know, holding Jacob Truba accountable for a hit is a little different than Sebastian Ajo being held accountable for a knee-on-knee. Should he be held accountable? Yes. By a penalty, maybe a suspension if the league decides it. Ajo's that that kind of player. Um, what's going to happen is somebody on Carolina might have to be held responsible for something like that. But I, I watched it. I don't know if Anthony has an opinion, diehard Ranger fan. Um, it was a penalty. I don't think he meant to do it. I think he got kind of got caught out of position, wanted to get a piece of Fox, so Fox wasn't able to get to the corner uh, before one of his teammates. So clearly a penalty, but players need to be held accountable because sometimes, as Mike Rupp said, getting a piece of a player in that situation can be very, very dangerous. So that's why it's a penalty to me, and that's why he needs to be held accountable in that sense. But um, now we just hope. You know, we hope that uh, it's not a serious injury. The Rangers do have the extra body in Tyler Pitlick. They do have the extra body on the blue line in Zach Jones. But Zach Jones is not Adam Fox, <laughs> and Tyler Pitlick is not um, Philip Hedl. Uh Yeah, Brodzinski get called up, which might, which might mean that just he he might end up being the one that'll end up playing for uh, him, just because of the fact that uh, from the position that he plays, and so and he'll he'll end up being probably uh, on the fourth line there. So we'll see how it ends up working out. Maybe VC moves up. That that's probably the more logical thing where VC may play on that second line. Um, so we'll see. The Rangers have already left for Minnesota. I will be following them later on tonight. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney. Rangers in the wild tomorrow. 
So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if they make the trip. We'll see if they play. But if they don't, they've got the bodies. And as you heard Anthony say, that Johnny Brzezinski got called up. So that probably gives you all that you need to know about Heedle's situation. And as I said, they already have the extra defenseman in Zach Jones who did get into a game earlier uh, this season. So um, that's where we stand with the Ranger team that is really just off to a uh, tremendous, tremendous start. The Ottawa situation, we're going to talk to EJ coming up on Monday. You know, it got ugly with uh, the Pinto suspension. It got even uglier with um, with what happened with the first round pick being taken away, the fine for the Dadnoff trade from a couple of years ago, that finally coming to roost, and then it just got round downright dumpster fire with Dorian being fired there. For a team that have some expectations, a lot of good players, but you've got new ownership and just an absolute disaster with losing a first-round pick, which is so, so tremendously valuable, not to mention the fines with everybody involved there. So just ugly with the Ducks and with the Golden Knights and certainly the Senators taking the worst of that. So we'll, we'll get down and dirty with it coming up uh, with EJ on Monday. But just what a state of flux Ottawa's in right now. I, I think they're a good team. I think people thought that they might be able to make the, the, the next step. Uh, but I, I, I keep thinking about what EJ said of trying to get Pinto signed because he's such a good player, and now th- those contract negotiations are over because of the gambling and him being suspended for half the season anyway. And now Ottawa, with all these expectations, sit under 500, sit last place in the Atlantic Division, a very, very difficult division that's got Boston it is yet to lose. You know, Detroit's come back down to earth, but still a pretty good hockey team. You know how good Toronto is. You know Florida is going to be there. You know Tampa's going to be there. You know, Buffalo looks like they're, you know, playing at 500, but could be good. This could end up being a completely lost season for the Ottawa Senators this year, just for a myriad of reasons. But just what what an absolute disaster there for the Ottawa Senators. And, and I feel bad for their fans. You know, all the threats of moving, then you get finally new ownership and a lot of expectations going in. And the season has just been an absolute disaster for them. Um, we mentioned the Panthers getting better, and they are. They had the shutout of the Red Wings last night. Red Wings coming back down to earth just a little bit. Bobrovsky only had to make, uh, what, 22 saves in that win. Uh, Washington, you talk about just it being a disastrous season for them. Uh, this is not going to be a good year for Washington. Uh, Darcy Kemper, I don't know if you saw it, gave up three goals on his first five shots he faced. Islanders scored on their first two shots. Matter of fact, the Islanders had a 2 to nothing lead after one period of play and had two shots on goal. I mean, how often do you see that? Varlamov gets the, uh, the, um, the chance to play and pitches the shutout, so... Good job uh, out of then. Uh, we were talking about the Senators, their struggles. Kings win 3-2. to two. Uh, The rejuvenated season for Kopitar seems to be continuing this year as he's had uh, the five goals. I don't know how you look at the Oilers right now because you know Dallas has won three in a row and they've got a chance to be in my top five. Uh, but 49 shots on goal for uh, Edmonton. So clearly they still had the spark after winning the Heritage Classic, getting a couple of days off. So you don't want to kill them for a loss when they were able to put that many shots on goal. Just just an incredible amount. 49 shots, as I mentioned. Uh, Skinner just didn't have it. He gave up four goals on just 27 shots. But 
you look at the shot producers, McDavid had five shots on goal and didn't have a point. Evander Kane had six shots on goal, but he finished with a goal and an assist. Gagne, five shots on goal. Uh, they were just throwing a dry So Drysaddle had three shots on goal. So Drysaddle and McDavid combined for eight shots on goal, and neither of them had a point. But I think you would take five shots on goal from your world-class players every single night, and you probably would expect to win. Golden Knights do it again. They beat the Jets 5-2. to two. Boston and, Gold- and, and Vegas, the only two teams not to lose this season. Carlson's having a great season. He's got four on the year. Marshall Show's got four. They're, they're just doing it um, the way that they normally end up doing it. Marshall ended up having the hat trick, finished with six six uh, goals so far on the year, but it's it's, it's everybody. It's, it's team by committee. It's defense by committee. Sometimes it's goaltender by committee with Vegas, and they are just absolutely incredible. Just an embarrassing situation in San Jose. They, uh, Vancouver beats them 10-1. to 1. San Jose is the only team without a win this year. Their only point came in an overtime loss. And you talk about distributing it. Four in the first, four in the second, two more in the third. Ten straight losses now for San Jose. Look at the point producers in this one. Besser's having a great year. He finished with three points. J.T. Miller, three points. Anthony, you just think about, God, if the Rangers could have found a way to keep him. Uh, Pedersen with three points. Beauvillier with two. That's a fourth-line player, Anthony Beauvillier, by the way. Kuzmetko has got two points. They also got uh, five points from Hughes on the blue line. Think about that. Quinn Hughes with five points. Just an unreal performance. And I, I, a lot of shots on goal. San Jose had 18 shots on goal in the third period. But, God, I, I feel so bad for Quinn. I think he's a good coach, but it just, it's a disaster. It's a dumpster fire there. 0-9-1. Minus 35 goal differential. Think about that. Minus 35. It, it's almost like the Boston Bruins regular season from last year in reverse. Remember when we talked about how great Boston was and they had like a goal differential 20 points better than the other team? The next worst goal differential in the league, as I take a quick look at it, Washington, who's not good, is at minus 10. Put that in relation. Chicago, also not very good, but they still won three games. Minus 13. Uh, Edmonton, with all their troubles, minus 11. But the one that's the closest is Calgary at minus 16. So San Jose's got the next worst team beat by 19 goals in differential minus 35 to minus 16. And God, how bad is, bad is it for Calgary, too? Uh, they're uh, at 2-7-1. and one, and, you know, Legitimate questions on whether they hired uh, the right coach there. So you know, that's where we stand with... Um, with, uh, with, with so just skimming some of the things that had happened last night. But, boy, what an interesting year. And I guess it's okay, then, to really take a look at having our very, very first top five of the week. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Yeah! Number five. You know, there's so many teams to choose from, but you know, I'm going to go with Dallas. Dallas has not played as many games as some teams. They've only played nine, but they're 7-1-1, 16 points, plus six goal differential. Ottinger's been good for them. They've distributed things very well offensively. Pavelski just does not get old. Uh, Dallas has been very very good so far this season and producing 15 points in their first nine. I've got the Dallas Stars at number five. 
Number four. It's hard to ignore Vancouver. We talked a little bit about it on Monday with EJ, and you saw them put up the 10 spot last night in San Jose. Quinn Hughes is a legit Norris Trophy candidate. Uh, Their goaltending has been very, very solid, but also by committee, where it's not just about one superstar. Pedersen's good. Besser's also good. JT Miller is also good. Kuzmetko is good. They just have a real good lineup of forwards. Not exceptionally deep on the blue line, but the goaltending definitely balances that out. I've got the Vancouver Canucks at number four. Number three. Hard to ignore the New York Rangers as they sit a plus 11 goal differential, eight of their first 10. As I mentioned, uh, they best start in the first 10 games for a Ranger franchise since the 83-84 season when they've not won nine of their last 10. Artemi Panarin appointed all 10 games so far this year. The Rangers have produced power plays in all 10 games. They have been dominant on the road. 2-1 2-1 and one at home. They will beat you in low-scoring games. They'll beat you in high-scoring games. Their goaltending's been terrific. Jonathan Quick is a perfect 2-0 and oh, uh, so far this season as the backup goaltender. You know how good Igor Shosturkin is. They've been able to stay healthy obviously until last night when they lost Fox and Heedle. We'll find out how long they're going to be out, but the, boss, the uh, New York Rangers are number three. Number two. You could go either way because these two teams are almost identical, but I'm going to stick with the Boston Bruins at being number two. You, you know, McAvoy's been suspended, doesn't matter. You know, you lose Bergeron, doesn't matter. You lose Hall, doesn't matter. And it just really shows you just how good and deep this team is. Now, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, but that's the way the NHL works. But Boston, they're a well-coached. They get great goaltending no matter who it is between the pipes. They can roll four lines. You know, you see DeBrusque scored his first last night. It's not always the same. It's not always the Marshans that are going to get it done. It's not always the Pasternaks that get it done. They've got so much depth there. They picked up where they left off last season, trying to prove that what happened in the first round was an aberration. I've got the Boston Bruins at number two. Number one. Now you could have went either way with Boston and Vegas, but you know Vegas they've they're they're ten zero and one twenty one points, so they've got the best uh, winning percentage, the most points, the most wins, the best goal differential of plus nineteen, and as we mentioned when we were recapping their victory last night over the Jets, it's just so much depth, and it really just says something to you because there is such a thing as a cup hangover. Vegas was dominant last year in the Eastern Conference. It kind of got ignored because they came on late to win that division. So, so many people were talking about what was happening in the Pacific Division. When it was all said and done, even in the West, Vegas came out on top. And it was like, okay, Vegas making the playoffs. Okay, Vegas having a great regular season. It didn't matter. They weren't great at home. And I want to say they snuck up on people. I think everybody knew how good they were, but what they were they cup-worthy? And then they had all the goaltending issues, and eventually Hill comes out on top. They win the cup. So it's like, all right, let's see what you do this year. And what do they do the first 11 games they've yet to lose? 10-0-1. And, and they just show you just how legit they are. Zero cup hangover, exceptionally dangerous team. Good for Vegas. It's really one of the great stories in sports when you think about it. They've made the playoffs every year of their existence but one, and that came basically on the last weekend of the season. Stanley Cup final in their first year. You know, win a Stanley Cup in year six. Best team in the NHL so far here to start this season. It's been an incredible, incredible run for the Vegas Golden Knights and and, and easily, easily the greatest expansion team of all time when you think about it. There have been a few of them that, that won right away, 
Uh, there have been a few that have really done a great job. Even San Jose, when you think about their success early on when they first came into the league, although they had their share of growing pains as any expansion franchise should in their first couple of years, and then they kind of found it, but they still haven't won a cup yet. Now, And you look at the other expansion teams in the NHL. Minnesota has not been to a Stanley Cup final yet. Columbus has only been to the second round once. So you got to go deep into you know the the thirty year old franchises like Ottawa has been to a Stanley Cup final. Tampa's won what three Stanley Cups uh, in their history and a ton of Stanley Cup final appearances. You know Florida hasn't won a cup yet, but they've gone to the Stanley Cup final twice. Um, what other expansion teams? You want to say Atlanta now turning into Winnipeg? Winnipeg eventually went to the conference final in twenty eighteen. Atlanta did basically nothing in their short time there as the Thrashers. Uh, so all these expansion teams, and none of them, uh, none of them come close to what this Vegas Golden Knights team has been able to be. And Who you are you taking go, out? You've got to go back to the original expansion of 67-68 when the league doubled in size from 6-12. to 12. They put all the expansion teams in the same conference, guaranteeing one of the new six teams was going to go to the final. St. Louis ended up going to the final um, three straight years but not winning the championship, and it wasn't until the Philadelphia Flyers in 74 finally cracked the code and won. So even even under those circumstances... You know, it took a long time. You know, Minnesota went to the finals a bunch of times, didn't win until they moved to Dallas. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings didn't win until 2012. The St. Louis Blues didn't win until 2019. Uh, the California Golden Seals folded. Right, The Pittsburgh Penguins, they didn't win until 91. So go through all the expansion teams you want. No one touches this. You go to baseball expansion. Colorado won World Series. Tampa won what, two World Series, but neither of them have been able to win a championship. The Marlins with two championships, but a lot of bad in between. And their last championship was 20 years ago. Arizona Diamondbacks went to the World Series this year, but only one championship in their history, and that came almost 10 years to the the day of of their existence. Uh, Football, Carolina Panthers, what, a couple of Super Bowls, no championships. Houston Texans have not uh, been able to, uh, what are they, even won a playoff game yet. Jacksonville, no Super Bowl appearances, just, uh, what, two or three uh, conference championships. Uh, It's, you know, basketball. Uh, go back to they haven't expanded as much as recently, but even then, you know the, the Orlando Magic. What are the Magic? What 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 was it, Anthony? One uh, final appearance in '95 with Shaq. Uh, so uh, the Heat, I guess, would be in the conversation in the NBA. Uh, but that's it, and I would still take Vegas over Miami. So it is, and this is just rattling off on top of my head. I hope I impressed you with my um, expansion knowledge, but. Uh, that's where we stand with that. All right, let's dive into your uh, tweets before we get out of Dodge here. Hopefully, everybody has a phenomenal weekend. Um, oh, by the way, I'm missing a, a Michael K. Show meeting for this, so I hope you guys appreciate it. Troy says it's too early to start comparing Jack Hughes to Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Leon Dreisaitl. No, I don't think so. I mean, last year probably eclipses 50 goals and 100 points if he doesn't get hurt. So far this year, he's off to a spectacular season. So maybe you want to give it a little while, but why not? I I, I think clearly he feels like he's in the conversation. Um, James really would like an update on Fox uh, Room is all over social media. It's an MCL sprain missing a month. Again, I don't want to lead any speculation. I don't know if Anthony has anything new on that, but we have not heard anything definitive as of this recording at 2.40 Eastern time. It didn't look great. Um, whenever you hear a coach 
you know, usually coaches always play coy. Peter Laviolette, after the game, they'll be evaluated tomorrow. Uh, that's never a great sign, but as of right now, haven't landed on anything yet. Uh, Tim says, how do you feel about having number one overall picks spend a year developing before making their debut? Buffalo did it with power, and he looks great. Hughes and Laffey could have used it, and uh, um, Svekoski from Montreal looks like he is losing confidence each night, can't develop in the show. Well, listen, you can send these guys to the AHL if you want, but the temptation is... When you're drafting a guy that high, you're probably not a very good team. Let him learn in the NHL. Let him struggle here uh, so you could take advantage of him growing into his own. Um, it, you, know, you could say it, it's worked for a lot of good young players that came up. Some of them it hasn't worked out for. I think the problem with Laffey, with Lafreniere, is he jumps into a good team, so the expectations are high. Kako, the same thing. The Devils were able to develop Hughes and Heeshear because they weren't a good team. Uh, so uh, Buffalo, not a great team. It really depends. It's in the eye of the beholder. I know Lou Lamarello in New Jersey never wanted his young players to jump into the NHL right away. That's why when they were the Albany River Rats in the AHL, they were always good because all their good young talent started there, learned the system, and eventually came up. But you look in the league now, you're kind of in must-win situations right away. There's no more five-year plans. There's no more three-year plans. Stick the 18-year-old with the big club. You saw it, Carlson in Anaheim, 18 years old, playing. Um, really, I think that's kind of the way to go. I hear what you're saying. Create like a like a, a G League like they have in the NBA, a developmental league. But the temptation is to get these kids to play right away. You see it with Connor Bedard, too. You're going to go through your struggles, but you know what? Go dominate in the NHL. What's that going to do for anybody? Pete says, hey, Don, with all the hype around Bedard this season, I'm curious, what players do you feel failed to live up to the hype yet and still elect to the Hall of Fame? Eric Lindros was the first who came to mind. Curious your thoughts and thanks. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, uh, guys that live up to the hype. Well, Sidney Crosby certainly has lived up to the hype. Ovechkin's lived up to the hype. Lindros eventually lived up to the hype. Um uh, Lindros is a guy that, yeah, it, Lindros is really interesting because did he live up to the hype? Even though he's in the Hall of Fame, with everything that was built around him, did he live up to the expectations? You might, the answer may be no. And you say, well, Don, he went to the Hall of Fame. What else do you want the guy to do? But if you live through that period of time, he may not have lived up to the expectations. It's crazy. I want to give a. A little bit uh, more thought to that. Uh, Brian says, with the flame season going down in flames, he he, well, what would the Rangers have to give up for Lindholm? Is it even possible? I have to think about that. You'd have to give up. You, you probably have to give up one of the young players to make that work. I'd have to see what the salary cap situation would allow for that to happen. Very interesting what you would want to pick apart from the flames if they do end up having an awful season. Because I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of those guys just dying on the vine there. And we talked about it last week when the Rangers played the Flames. They were they had a four on four, and the Rangers were much better. And you got Huberto, and you got Lindholm, and there's there's there should be enough skilled players there, and it just uh, just hasn't really worked out. Um, Sean says, "How can the Sharks be this bad? What with all went wrong? What is a realistic time frame for turning it around?" Any good examples of similar turnarounds? Well, there's been plenty of teams that have gone from last to first. I mean, the Devils, uh, even though they were bad for a long time, I don't think anybody saw them go from non-playoffs to 
to almost winning the division last year. I mean, there are examples of teams that make the jump, but it does feel like it's going to be a slow that burn there in, in San Jose. The hiring of David Quinn kind of tells you that, right? I mean, here's a guy that I think is a younger guy, worked with college kids that hopefully they give him some time there, but it just it didn't feel like anybody within the San Jose organization felt like that they were close. Now, they were good for a long, long time, but then you lose Marlowe, you lose Thornton, you lose Pavelski. I mean, you start to you grow out of that, and they were good for a while, and now they're really paying the price here, and it just doesn't look like it's going to turn around anytime soon. But, but... You get a, you make a couple of nice moves, a couple of young players pop, and you know I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. But you know maybe in in two or three years we're going. May remember how when the San Jose Sharks were the worst team in the league, and you know happened with Colorado for a long time too. They were downright awful. I remember calling a game there. It was New Year's Eve, sixteen into seventeen. They were one of the worst teams in the league, and next thing you know they're winning a Stanley Cup. So. I wish nothing but the best for the San Jose Sharks and David Quinn. I'm a big Sharks guy. I'm a big Quinn guy. Hopefully they're going to be able to turn it around sooner than later. So I will be in Minnesota tomorrow for the Rangers in the Wild. If you want to listen to it, it'll be on 98.7 ESPN New York with coverage beginning at 7.30, face-off set for 8 o'clock. I'll also, in case you're interested, be doing uh, the Knicks-Clippers game on Monday for Madison Square Garden. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm an NBA guy. So we will talk to you again coming up on Monday. We'll talk to EJ Raddick. Have a great weekend. Want to reach out to me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.